The following was recorded at 12.05 p.m. Pacific on Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. Things have changed since then. You simply will not buy the world that the elders have given them. They see too much hypocrisy in it. They see too many things that are wrong with it. And I think that the elders are going to have to realize that they simply can no longer browbeat youth into following its established path. Welcome to Sunset Politics. Today, we're talking about the Supreme Court um, and some of the, the the decisions that have come out in the, the past few weeks. There's even more coming out probably today, uh, the way you know we may learn about in the middle of recording, so we'll see. Yes, if you did not hear, the Supreme Court has started to issue many of its decisions. Um, they've been dropping them multiple cases at a time, and it seems like to some people, that means that the Supreme Court is trying to deter people from being upset, like kind of trying to, yeah, deter some of those emotions by dropping so many at once where you have to look through to be able to find this the, the decision, sorry. But it's just very interesting because um, there's just so many interesting cases that have been in this cycle, like, um, what's it called, religious rights versus free speech and um, gun control or whatever you want to call it and um, if you did not hear Roe v. Wade so there's just many different cases right now yeah um, and then there's there's a couple of big ones that have yet to come out relating to immigration and um, the EPA Environmental Protection Agency so it's a lot to it's a lot to handle hey Story here. Just wanted to give a quick update on these cases before I move on because uh, the results came out. In Biden v. Texas, the Supreme Court actually sided with uh, the Biden administration in their efforts to end a Trump-era immigration policy to force people to stay in Mexico. So good one there. Uh, but in West Virginia v. EPA, they ruled that the EPA's power was significantly less limited than arguably Congress had intended. Um, so the EPA is a lot less powerful to regulate emissions now. And also, um, in another case that we didn't talk about in the podcast, the Supreme Court limited the rights of Native American tribes to prosecute crimes committed in their territory. So mixed bag from those cases. Yeah. The release of, of this many cases, I think, I don't know if it's usually this concentrated, but like usually the Supreme Court has sessions where they hear and then they release all the decisions um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's very interesting to just see the response, I think as well, because there are, like we mentioned, so many interesting cases that are being, you know, discussed and having decisions released, but the way that they're releasing them is just so concentrated that I think a lot of people haven't really grasped like, oh, this is the decision on this. And like, this is the impacts it will have, which is really interesting just because, um, Right before we started recording, uh, I was looking at this article from the New York Times that has um, 
a lot of the different bigger cases in the cycle. And it shows like the public opinion on the case versus what the justices have decided, or if the justices haven't decided just the public opinion and voting, um, which actually I might mention while we're going through the cases as well, because I think it's super interesting to see how the public would, like how the public use it versus how the justices who are supposed to be using the constitution to decide, um, view the case. Yeah. Uh, the role of the Supreme Court was it was set up to be like an independent body. That's why there's no term limits, why they're appointed for life um, so that they can be independent. A lot of people have critiqued that, um, saying that it effectively gives them unlimited power because there's not really many checks on them. But I mean, the idea was that they wouldn't be super political. Um, but I think we've really seen that kind of fall to the wayside uh, because Supreme Court opinions are now one of, if not the major factor in elections is like, you know, we, we need to elect this president because they're going to support, appoint the Supreme Court justices that we want. Um, it's been the the effort of, you know, the Republicans for 50 years to try and overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, now they, you know, they've finally done it. There's a, a six, three conservative majority, a uh, couple of the justices swing, but for the most part, it's like six, three conservative. So, um, and yeah, it used to be like that we wouldn't think about the ideology that much because they would just be justices. But nowadays it's very politicized. And I think it has been for a long time, but nowadays we're seeing it a lot more. Um, yeah. I agree. And I think what's like kind of unfortunate is I was reading something yesterday about how all of these justices that have been put on the court that have been ruling really conservatively were appointed by presidents that were that didn't win the popular vote, which I know they still have a right to be in office because of the Electoral College, but I just think that's a super interesting concept that these justices that are making these really impactful decisions that a lot of Americans don't agree with were appointed by presidents who also were just not fully approved by the public. So I just think yeah. that's really interesting that kind of that, um, I don't want to call it a correlation, but it kind of is a correlation in some ways. Yeah. Um... I was I was reading articles on um, SCOTUS blog, which is like a, a blog dedicated to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, and they have like a little on the side of the article, they had like a little like statistical summary and it had all the justices and their frequency of being in the majority. Um, and it was like all the conservative ones and then all the three liberal ones. Um, and yeah, it's just I, you know, I don't like it when I can look at an opinion and like see who wrote the opinion and like automatically be able to tell like what it's about um yeah i i completely agree and i i agree i think scotus blog is such a great resource they also have a twitter that like will tweet live updates on different cases when they drop um and a lot of times they'll make it really simple so i think that that's kind of nice too because if you're somebody who wants to know more about the supreme court and what's going on it's a more simplified way to understand the cases and also just get the breaking news um yeah but I think the first case that we wanted to talk about um, is the Kennedy versus Bremerton School District. And if you don't know what that case is, um, this is when a football coach at a public high school would lead prayers with players before and after games. And when the school district asked him to stop, he refused and he was then suspended by the school district. Um, and the court actually ruled in his favor, saying that the football coach at a public high school had a constitutional right to pray at the 50-yard line after the team's games. Um, and 44% of the 
of Americans believe that the school district was right to suspend the coach. But interestingly enough, 56% said that the school district was not right to suspend the coach. Um, and if you look, they also have statistics by party lines. And what's interesting is 62% of Democrats say that the school was right to suspend the coach, whereas 26% um, of Republicans say they were right. But I'm curious, Story, what are your thoughts on this case and yeah. any other information uh, you want to add? I'm pretty sure he wasn't suspended. He was just asked not to pray and then decided not to um, like try and get his contract back the year after. I don't think they actually suspended him, but it that says, doesn't make a ton of difference, right? It says in the article that he was, but that could... Uh, maybe he was. Yeah, maybe, maybe he was, know. and it was like a short suspension or something. I'll, I'll put in a clarification after um, in editing. Uh, but yeah, I I think the decision is wrong, mainly because of like um, the factual distinction. Uh, the actual holding, what they said they hold, is probably not going to have like super far-reaching impacts because the actual holding, what it says, is like the government can't like infringe on someone's private right to speech. The issue is there is like in no way was this private. Um, it was like he was literally doing it in public. He invited people to come do it with him. Um, it was absolutely not private um, private exercise of, of religion. So that's, I think, the main problem with this is that the Supreme Court is kind of expanding what it means to be private expression rather than the actual holding itself. Because the holding itself is one that's like everyone would probably agree with, right? We probably don't want the government saying you can't do private exercise of religion. But Yeah, it's very interesting because I I can kind of see both sides in this case because part of it is like, oh, he's just, he's leading prayer. It's after the game. It's like, you don't have to do it. You can go with him if you want. But at the same time, it's it's like a little bit of a hard line because a lot of different factors, but one of those to me at least is like, he's in a position of a, like power and authority. And if he has his players, maybe they feel like obligated to go pray with him or like they won't get as much playing time. I don't know. There's, that might not be like fully true, but I don't, that's just like something I thought of when I first heard about this case is like people may be feeling obligated. And even though like he has a right to pray and that is his, you know, free exercise of his religion. It's just, a, I think, what I think of in this case is, is the school allowing him to pray them respecting an, extra, an establishment of religion, which is that kind of the question that was at hand is like, does that go hand in hand or pretty much? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, like the, what you're saying has been the court's rationale for ruling against things like this in the past. Mm -hmm. um, the main case is Engel v. Vital, where I forget what year, but um there was like a school that held like I think it was like it was optional and it was non-denominational. Yeah. Um, and the court still ruled against it because it created a culture where people felt like they had to participate in it, even if there wasn't anything explicitly saying that they had to. Because mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't in that case the prayer was at the beginning of each school day? I think it was in New York, right? I believe, yeah. Yeah. And it was like you could eat, there was like a non-denominational non prayer slash like you could, you know, do your own prayer in your head or whatnot. But like then it made people feel uncomfortable so then didn't they say like you could in that case did they hold that you could still have like a moment of silence or did they just say like nothing do you know um, like, i'm not sure i think they said nothing okay it's been a that while. sounds right that's that sounds right from from gov <laughs> just checking. Um, yeah voluntary prayer in public schools violated the first amendment yeah that makes sense
perfect. But yeah, um, the this decision doesn't necessarily overrule that one, um, in actuality, but it feels like the court kind of wanted to, um, because like. If you actually look at the facts of this case, there's like no way to describe what this guy did as private. Um, it was it was very obviously a public act, and there were probably a lot of people that felt pressured to um, participate, even if they they didn't want to. So, yeah. And do you know where this case took place? Like, what state? Uh, Washington, uh, Angle or Bremerton? Um, the Kennedy, yeah, Bremerton case. Yeah, uh, Bremerton was oh. Bremerton is the place that took place. I was thinking. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, Bremerton, Washington, which is. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, so that's... not not too far north. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We were actually in D.C. while they were hearing this case. Oh, were um, we? Were, yeah. Was it us or when you? Yeah, it was, it was us. It was, Um, I remember I was talking about it with Stuckert at breakfast. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, wow. Well, that's just so interesting. Like, it's so interesting how all these, like, cases, like, they're, you know, I think it's interesting how they're so secretive. And then, like, well, our next case we're going to talk about is the case that overturned Roe. But, you know, that one draft that got leaked, just, like, how, I don't know, it's just, I know that's kind of unrelated, but it's just interesting, right, how, like, we don't really know at the time what's being discussed until it drops, usually. Or if we do, it's, like, the average American doesn't know, oh, this is being the oral arguments are being given this week or whatnot. So it's just super interesting. Yeah. It's it's all publicly accessible, but a lot of people choose not to look at it. Yeah. That's actually so interesting. Um, and with that, should we transition into the next case? Yeah. So in our next case, which is Jobs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, this was a case based out of Mississippi, and it was whether a Mississippi law that banned abortions after 15 weeks was constitutional or not. And I'm going to talk about some of the public stances before we go into the ruling, but um, the overall public census was that 51% of people believed that it was unconstitutional to ban all abortions after 15 weeks, and 49% believed that it was constitutional. And the interesting thing about this case was that it could it would overturn Roe v. Wade if it was ruled in favor of the Mississippi law, saying that or saying that the Mississippi law could be upheld in better uh, wording. And the court ruled on us in a six to three decision with um, all the conservative justices plus. Justice Chief Justice Roberts, who's typically kind of will go a little bit back and forth, but he ruled with the conservative justices that um, a Mississippi that the Mississippi law was constitutional, and this overturned the constitutional right to abortions that was established by Roe versus Wade. Um, and what's really interesting about this, at least for me as somebody who can have children, is that a lot of these justices, or five out of the six, cannot, and many of these justices in their Senate um, confirmation hearings said that Roe v. Wade was a precedent precedent, and that it would not be overturned and that they respect that it is a precedent of the Supreme Court. So I think that there ha- we've seen it in the news. There's been so much public outrage. And that's because I think in part that this decision seems that it was very influenced by people's um, religious beliefs rather than the constitution, which I think is 
really upsetting because you don't have to like abortion or support abortion to be like, okay, I'm not going to do that, but it's not my business, what anybody else does. Um, and I think that people don't realize that all this does really is ban safe abortions because we're going to see a lot of fatality rates, I think, among women go up and other people who can um, have children go up. And I think that that's a really scary thing to realize. And, you know, there's, there, it's really complicated. I won't get into all of it, but like, it's just really upsetting. I think that this was a decision that they made. And I think it's really interesting as well, because sorry, sorry, last thing I'll say um, is that 69% of Republicans um, in the public poll said that it was constitutional, that they agreed with the decision. And 73% of Democrats said that they, it was unconstitutional. So it just shows you how big of an issue this is among party lines and like the um, contrast, I guess, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally fine letting you talk. By the way, um, oh no, no, go ahead. <laughs> I have like one more uh, thing to add at the end, but like, go. okay, Sorry. okay, um, yeah, uh, I think we we talked about this a lot when the opinion was leaked. So if you want to go back and and listen to that episode, we have we talk a lot more about the legal specifics and a lot more about like what the effects are. Um, but yeah, it's you know. I think it's a bad ruling. I think Roe v. Wade was was a great case. A lot of people have said that it was like kind of shaky, but it's actually it's actually pretty solid law um, if you look at it. So yeah, I I don't think it was correct to overturn it. I think it's obviously gonna have a lot of really bad effects that Molly laid out really well. Um, you know, obviously it doesn't ban abortion everywhere, but in like at least half the states, it's going to be banned. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, you know, the 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 hope that I have is that it's going to build political momentum, um, to to hopefully get it, you know, enshrined in federal law, which, you know, that may be a long shot given uh the state of Congress right now, but you know, I hope I hope it does. Um, a lot of I think even President Trump, former President Trump, said that it was going to be bad for the Republican Party because um it was going to anger. I think he said he was going to anger the suburban women which is total Trump speak, but you might be right. Uh, I hope so. You know, there might be, um, it might be a bit of like the dog that caught the car because this has been like what the Republicans have been trying to do for a long time is overturn Roe. Now that they've finally done it, like who knows what's next. Um, another thing is like, um, I believe it was a concurring opinion written by Justice Thomas that said that the Supreme Court should look at like a lot of other cases to do with substantive due process, including Obergefell v. Hodges, which is gay marriage. What was it? Um, Loving v. Virginia, which was sodomy. Um, I think one more that I can't remember. Um, are you thinking of Griswold v. Connecticut? Yes, I believe so. I believe that was the one. Yeah, yes, uh, which is contraception. contraception. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, sad times. And yes. potentially worse ones to come. So, I I just think this is like so like scary but also like ridiculous because basically what they're doing is using it as like a way to get into other cases that they don't agree with based on their religious beliefs slash what the republican party thinks and I, and again what's sad is they're supposed to be a non-political court they're supposed to be looking at the constitution and using that to logically make decisions and it's not really, okay, because if we look back at the original constitution, nobody except for white men had rights anyways. So I think that the fact that they want to look at things 
how the original constitution was exactly written, which also means that their gun laws and gun, that would be completely different. Nobody would be allowed to have a semi-automatic weapon. It would be only muskets if we were looking at the constitution, how it was made. Because it does, obviously, you know, guns have changed, but when the constitution was written, there was no AR-15s. So it's just like, you can't go one way on one issue and another on another issue. It's really hypocritical, I think. Um, and I have to give it like, there's this woman who's on The View, which is a show my grandma watches a lot. And her name is Sunny um, Cummings. And she was talking about how she does not believe in abortion whatsoever, no exceptions, but she doesn't think that the government should tell people what to do with their bodies. And that just because again, she wouldn't do it and she doesn't support it. It doesn't mean that she thinks that the, that the justices should use their religious beliefs to make a decision about government, which I thought was really interesting. And it just shows you how even people who maybe are very conservative or just don't like abortion will still be like, no, just because I don't like it, you know, I don't want to be anti-choice. I don't like calling it pro-life anymore because that's not really what it is because, you know, there's so much legislation being introduced in a lot of red states that's super anti-LGBTQ+. So how's that pro-life? So I like to call it anti-choice now is my wording for it because I just, I can't call it pro-life because it just makes me like laugh because I'm like, that's, you guys aren't though, you know? You're like, you're like pro-life in this very one specific instance. Yeah. It's like, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I put something on my Instagram story about this. It's like, you can't, all these like Republican senators and like there was a rally that was held with President Trump after the decision came out. And like, all these people are just like, they're so happy that like this case got overturned. And it's like, why? How does that affect you? Like, if y'all are sitting there saying that, oh, you're so pro-life, stop bombing other countries, stop starving other countries. Um, start giving our children better schools and um, just what's it called give people welfare if they need it and stop calling people lazy for needing welfare like actually value human life from the moment somebody's born to the moment they die and it's just like I don't know I just can't handle it anymore like I'm so sick of like you know especially after like the case was officially like yeah it's overturned it was I think for a lot of people it felt like just very, I don't even know how to like capture it. Like, I think most people's response was just like anger because they felt that it was just such a bad decision. And I don't know, we could talk about it for hours, but that's that's the last thing I'll say because I'm just rambling yeah. off. But yeah. It's just um, disappointing. There's, um, there's a quote um, by a guy named Dave Barnhart, who's, I believe, a Methodist pastor. He said, um, the unborn are a convenient group to advocate for. They never make demands of you. They are morally uncomplicated. Unlike the incarcerated, addicted, or the chronically poor, they don't resent your condescension or complain that you are not politically correct. Unlike widows, they don't ask you to question patriarchy. Unlike orphans, they don't need money, education, or childcare. Unlike aliens, they don't bring all that racial, cultural, and religious baggage that you dislike. They allow you to feel good about yourself without any of the work creating or maintaining relationships. And when they are born, you can forget about them because they cease to be unborn. You can love the unborn and advocate for them without substantially challenging your own wealth, power, or privilege, without reimagining social structures, apologizing, or making reparations to anyone. They are, in short, the perfect people to love if you want to claim that you love Jesus, but actually dislike people who breathe. Um, <laughs> it was very long, but I think it's 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 very true. Um, very. 
which you reminded me of something when you're done talking to bring up that is really interesting. I want to hear your opinion about. Okay. Um, yeah. A uh, couple other things like one on the topic of like um, it being about their political opinions. There's one part of the opinion that like perfectly represents this to me. Um, I didn't read, I didn't get through the full thing, but I got through like half of the majority opinion. Um, and there's one part, it was written by Alito, and he says, we need to return to um, the con- to the text of the Constitution. And then he, like, cites something. But instead of citing the Constitution, he cites, like, one of Scalia's dissents in some case. It's like, wow, so this isn't about the Constitution. You're just citing Scalia instead of the Constitution. Which, if you didn't know, like, Scalia is, like, one of the big, um, like, conservative justices from back in the day. Um, and, oh, the other thing is another another quote um that i don't i don't remember the full thing um and i don't want to pull it up but it was basically uh i posted this on my social media the day it happened is that the idea of the constitution is to remove from the vicissitudes of political discourse certain rights um that cannot be subject to election that are not um that cannot be put up to a vote um and to me that's what roe v wade did was it it was supposed to protect these rights um because like I mean, like you said, you know, even if even if you disagree with with someone's decisions, they still have the right to do that. Um, and we shouldn't be talking about we shouldn't be our discourse shouldn't be about the right that people should have. We should we should take that for granted. Um, and to me, that's that's a fundamentally American idea, and I think the court rejected that to, um, in this case. So, what, what were you going to talk about? Oh well, you reminded me of something else. Well, this is, wasn't the first thing I was talking about, but. I think Americans are so selfish in so many ways, which I think is so interesting because like we love talking about freedom, but like when it came to COVID, like imagine if we told people you can get put in jail and fined if you don't get a vaccine for COVID, even though COVID was spreading and still is spreading a lot of times and had some peaks in the summer, like wildfire and it's killing people. And yes, some people aren't getting sick, but how people are like, no, it's my right to not get vaccinated. Well, then it's your right. To also not have an abortion like yeah. that's what's funny is if we're going to talk about bodily autonomy we got to make sure that's for all issues so i yeah. just think that that's like really important you reminded me of that and the other thing i was going to ask you about that i thought that this like is kind of more of i don't want to call it a conspiracy but people have been like bringing it up on like social media which i thought this was really interesting to me people were talking about how if states are making abortion illegal and making it a felony felons can't vote so do you think that there is, this is more of like, this is the more the more conspiracy part comes into it, but do you think that this is kind of a purposeful move is that if you have enough like to like felony to non like, or sorry, abortion to not being able to vote pipeline. That's not a good way to put it. But like if you get what I'm, get what I'm trying to uh, say. Yeah. I mean, I doubt it's intentional. Um, like that's probably not what they're going for, but that's probably going to be in effect, at least for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of the laws right now, um, I think maybe some of them are, but I think most of them aren't necessarily making it a felony to get an abortion. It's more of like it's a felony to provide one. But like, I mean, I could definitely see it going that way in the future. Um, I think in some states it already is. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, as much as I, I just like Republicans, they're probably not like it, it's probably not like an effective strategy. You're probably not going to arrest a significant amount of people to sway the vote. But I mean, that is like a, I mean, like joking aside, that is like probably a serious effect that's going to have on a lot of people that they're going to be able to not be able to vote anymore because they chose to exercise their rights in a way that the government didn't like. Oh yeah. And that's like what I think a lot of people were saying is they were like, 
especially with the with um justice thomas's concurring opinion about the other cases they were like why are they like almost i mean again this is a kind of more of a conspiracy but like people were talking about why are they kind of um what's like strategically taking away our rights like they're starting with this and they want to talk about um obergfell virginia v loving or wait, it's loving v virginia excuse yeah. my little slip up and griswold like people were kind of talking about that They're like why is it so strategic in a way and i was like that's very much a conspiracy but also like it's it's an interesting concept to think about because a lot of the like just starting with Roe, like i don't know it's just it's very interesting and obviously we'll we'll keep you all updated in the coming like weeks months year about what's going on but i think it's just an interesting concept to like think about like why are why all of a sudden do they want to take away some of these rights that are just freedoms that all americans should have to like to yeah. take contraception to have an interracial marriage um to be married to someone of the same gender or whoever you want to marry like what i just don't understand but yeah i just thought that was really interesting that people brought up those points yeah yeah the supreme court has you know when it's decided it wants to go in a direction it usually goes pretty slowly so you know we could see this we could definitely see it happen um they probably like decided at least like some of the justices have decided they really want to like take people's rights away <laughs> yeah um i mean it's a blunt way of saying it but yeah it's true um and they're just they're kind of starting here and you know the more cases they take cuz the constitution only allows them judges to rule on cases and controversies so they can't make abstract rulings yeah um but yeah I was literally about to mention that. I was going to say, if you don't know how Supreme Court rulings work, they can't just like pull out Obergefell and be like, by the way, we're going to relook at this. They have to have a case that they accept and say they'll look at that's been appealed to them or that they put, they use the original jurisdiction of a right. Is that what they do? They can do one of the two. It has to be appealed to them and they accept the appeal. Yeah. Or they, yeah. And, and so Congress actually sets their jurisdiction. Yeah. Which is another really important thing to like keep in mind with all this too. Um, so yeah, they can't just like pull something out of thin air and be like, yeah, we're going to do this. Like they have to have a case that's that they're looking at that could be overturning the precedent that's already been set. So don't get too worried if you're listening to this. It's just like, that's just something to keep in mind. If they did have a case, let's say that was challenging Obergfell, that's when they could look at Obergfell again if they wanted to try to overturn it. And then yeah. we transition into the next one. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Oh, do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I think I've added pretty much everything I want to say. Okay, perfect. Um, our next case, I'm just sorry, I'm just gonna go in order of how we have it. Um, is Carson v. Mackin. I hope I'm saying that right. And this was a case regarding a main program that excluded religious schools from a state tuition program. And in this um case. The public opinion was that 51% of people believed that prohibiting state funds from being used in a religious school is a valid separation of church and state, and 49% of people believed that it was a violation of the free exercise of religion. Um, and the justices ruled in a six to three decision that the main program um, is a violation of the free exercise of religion and that uh, religious schools can be funded by state tuition programs. Yeah, this one is is it's complicated. It's nuanced. Um, yes. In in theory, I kind of like the 
legal decision on its own, right? Because the the states don't have to fund private schools, um, but if they choose to, this decision is theoretically just saying that they can't exclude religious schools because it would it would um, infringe on their the their right to exercise their religion. Um, but the problem is the schools in this specific case uh, like are being actively discriminatory against um, LGBT people. Like they won't hire staff, they won't accept students that are LGBT. Um, and I think that's totally wrong. Uh, and they're kind of using like their religion as the grounds to do that. So it kind of makes sense that we would want to exclude these schools from funding. Um, but yeah, I mean, ideally, like it would be illegal to do that discrimination at all. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think it's interesting too, especially because of the fact that it's saying how Maine would pay, the state would pay for a private school tuition for students who live in rural, rural I can't say that word, rural, I think that's how you say it, yeah. areas um, that do not have public secondary schools, but that they would prohibit students from using the money to attend schools that were religious. So that's kind of interesting as well that like they would, like it makes sense to me, it, like logically, but also, I don't know, if you're giving somebody the money and you're saying go to school and they want to go to a religious school, I feel like they have a right to do that. But like yeah. you said, also, I don't think it's fair that these schools were discriminating against people at the same time, because it seems like that decision in a way almost solidifies that that discrimination is okay because, you know, they're religious. School. I don't know. It's just... Yeah, that it seems like that's the practical effect. Um, yeah. And like you said, it's very like nuanced, I feel like overall yeah there's a there's a really obscure case that i don't think i've ever met another person that knows this precedent <laughs> it's called zobrest v catalina foothills um and it's basically the case was um i think it was in arizona there was a school um or a the school district was required by the state law to fund um like disability needs for students so the case involved a deaf student that wanted to go to a private high school a religious high school um, and the law required the school district to pay for, um, an ASL interpreter for the student and the school district basically sued and said, we don't have to provide the interpreter because, um, it's going to a religious school. So we, we can't do that because it'd be a violation of the establishment clause. And the court ruled that it wasn't, um, that the program didn't encourage anyone to go to a religious school. Um, it just provided benefits in a neutral way. So, and like, I think, you know, I think that's a, uh, an important thing that that student was able to get the, um, the interpreter that they needed, uh, through the law. So there's, there's absolutely like cases in which government money going to private schools, uh, the private religious schools can be a good thing. Um, you just have to avoid the excessive entanglement, which, um, yeah, it's the, the, Case law and religion is is really complicated because you have to balance free exercise versus establishment. Um, there's yeah, there's lots of issues. Yes, I agree. It's very interesting. Um, it looks like anything else to add before we move on to our next case. Um, no, I think we we talked about that one a lot. It's it's interesting. I would recommend you look into it more. Yes, I agree. I feel like it's one of those cases too where you can kind of see both sides in some mm -hmm. ways but also kind of still have some questions i think so i think it's just an interesting case to do more research on if you're interested um the next case we have is so 
If you did not hear, after the bipartisan um, gun violence prevention bill passed both the House and Senate and was signed by President um, Biden, I think during this process, there was actually a law in New York that was overturned um, that had to do with gun violence and gun laws. So New York State Rifle and Pistol Association v. Bruin um, was all about in New York, they had some strict limits on carrying guns in public, so concealed carry. And basically what this meant is that for a person to get a license to carry a concealed weapon, they had to have a need to show a need for self-protection. Um, and so it sounded like this had to be pretty specific as well. And this one lady um, who many people may know, um, Tulsi Gubbard, is that how you say her name, Gubbard? I think it's Gabbard. Gabbard was talking about this um, she's a former congresswoman, and she was saying that she actually agrees with this decision, which, by the way, I should probably tell you all what the decision was, even though I kind of already mentioned it. The court ruled um, six to three that states with strict limits on carrying guns in public violates the Second Amendment. And what Tulsi was saying is that when she she actually had a stalker for a, little, a while and that she had to apply to get a concealed carry license because he was actively threatening her. And it sounds like she had a really hard time getting the license. And she knew a lot of people who had been turned away, um, even with a very valid reason, like their life being threatened. And so she was arguing that she agreed with the court and that it was a good idea because it seemed like it was really restrictive to make people show a really specific need, slash, especially with people or the courts not granting them or whoever was granting them, I think. Yeah, whoever manages the licenses was not granting them properly, supposedly. So I think that that's really interesting. And in this case, 47% um, of all people believed that requiring um, a need for self-protection did not violate the Second Amendment, but 53% believe that it does violate the Second Amendment. So just kind of interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. Um... As we kind of mentioned earlier, our interpretation of the Second Amendment has varied a lot uh, over time, such that like the actual text of the amendment almost has no relation to how it's interpreted today. Um, today, we very much think it's an individual right to own firearms, uh, but that's not really what the founders thought of it. Um, and you know, you know, I very much like the idea of a living constitution um, that we you know change. Uh, and it's it's hard to tell what the outcome of this act is going to be. Um, because there can be like valid reasons to have a to have a concealed carry and to to want to expand that without necessarily having to go through a huge process to do it. Um, but you know, if we also want to you know keep guns off the street, then that's probably this is probably going to lead to more guns being on the street because more people are going to be carrying them. Um, and it'll be concealed carry, so that means basically like you you don't show up publicly um, that people don't know you're carrying it, but you're still carrying it. So. Um, it's, it's hard to tell what the outcome of this is going to be. And I don't know much about the legal precedent, so I, I can't really talk about that. Um, yeah. I don't know much about it either, to be completely honest, but I just think that it's kind of a bad timing for this decision. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I honestly would have to do a little bit more research to really have an opinion, but I also 
I'm pretty sure though, some of the groups that I've worked with don't agree with it fully because the problem is, you know, if you have more guns out there that aren't necessarily, I don't know. It's just, I, I totally believe that people who are responsible gun owners should have a right to have their weapons. They can, you know, people who actually like safely secure their weapons and, you know, are willing to be safe and demonstrate good behavior around their weapons and, you know, just be an overall responsible owner, have a right to have their firearms. But I think the problem is you have enough of those people that will take advantage that it's also, I would just hope that they would still make sure that they really background check people. And I think that is part of the new bipartisan bill is more background checks on people who are 18 to 21. Um, but I think that it's, it's a very interesting decision and yeah, I don't, I honestly don't know much about the legal precedent, but I think the timing of it is the most interesting part because of the bill that just passed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton to add. Uh, we've talked a lot about gun violence recently on this show, so go yeah. back and listen to some of those episodes if you want more on that topic. Yes. Um, I think our next case is, you're going to talk about Vega, right? Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. Vega v. Tico, um, in which the Supreme Court basically ruled that um, uh, you're a violation of your Miranda rights. Not necessarily a violation. Well, kind of. So Miranda v. Arizona basically says um, that police officers have to remind you that you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. Um, so the Supreme Court basically ruled that a police officer not doing that and then using your statement at trial without telling you that does not provide a grounds for um, suit in under Section 1983, which is – it basically says, like, you have a right to sue all officers acting under color of law. Um, so simply put, because <laughs> that was a lot, um, you can't sue a cop for not telling you your rights is what the court ruled. <laughs> that yeah yeah i feel like that's just one where you just are like what on earth but what's interesting is we did a mock trial this year in my street law class that had to do kind of with a case similar actually because in our case our officer went after somebody who was the wrong suspect actually obviously didn't know it the person it was like a whole misunderstanding but the officer, before he, um, he tased the suspect, didn't announce himself as a police officer and didn't, like, it doesn't sound like really gave them Miranda rights or anything. And after realizing it was the wrong person, just tried to blame it on, oh, it's just a mistake. But I think it, even though obviously it's like a fake scenario, I think it shows you like, people's rights are important and they shouldn't just be thrown aside. And obviously like if there's a suspected criminal, like people are going to do what they have to do, but also like that person still has rights, like whether you agree with it or not, like they constitutionally do. So I think this decision will be interesting to see the impacts of that. Like, what do you like, sorry, like, what do you personally think the impacts of this like will be like long-term? Um, I think it'll, we'll see a lot more people that are, um, innocent of a crime be uh, charged and potentially convicted of it. And I believe the person in this case um, was found not guilty, even with the, um, the un-Mirandi statement being presented at trial. 
Oh, um, which I'm not sure how, because it was basically like a written confession that he did it. Um, mm. I'm not sure he might have like used Miranda to argue that he didn't that he was coerced into it. Um, but that's what's going to happen is a lot of the times police officers will do everything they can to try and get a confession. And if you have an officer of the law like telling you that you did something, like you're under a lot of stress and you might you might sign something that you don't mean to. Um, and I think that'll lead to this case will probably lead to a lot more people that have that happen to them and get sent to jail for something they didn't do. It, it's so scary just to think like, because some people just don't know their rights. I mean, you see videos all the time of people getting pulled over and some of them are attorneys and they're like, I know my rights. You can't do that. But the average person may not know their rights. So if the officer isn't reading them, they're not going to know. Yeah. Like you said, like, Oh, I shouldn't sign that or no, I shouldn't, I don't have to say anything if I don't want to. So it'd be really interesting. Um, There's a, there's a great video. It's like a minute long by these two brothers who are um, attorneys. uh, And they say, you know, when you get pulled up by the cops, it's uh, shut the F up Friday, except they actually say it, but I don't want to say it because I want to keep it clean. Um, So yeah, um, just personal advice. If you ever get pulled over, don't talk to the cops. Even if you didn't do it, don't, don't talk to them. Say that you, you demand to speak to your lawyer first. Um, it'll always be better for you. But a lot of people don't know that. So, And I think what's also scary is like I'm scared to see how this impacts people of color because obviously like the way that police have treated people of color historically and today is just very wrong. And I think that a lot of this like kind of I don't know what to call it. Like I don't want to call it foul play, but like misconduct that happens is a lot as a lot of times at these like traffic stops that happen and the fact that they now don't have to read people their rights like that's really scary and I just if you need if you're listening to this and you're whoever you may be I definitely just recommend like looking it up if or looking up the video like stories that like was talking about because it's so important and I'm just really scared i didn't i honestly just thought of that i'm so nervous how this will impact people of color to be honest yeah um yeah like imagine you know you're a person of color you might have you know seen the news seen what police officers do to people that look like you you might have had it happen to a family member or a friend um and a police officer has you in a room with no one else and they're telling you hey like we know you did this just you know confess and you can get out of here like and they never told you that you have a right to remain silent oh like, yeah what's what's gonna happen you know maybe have, some people will be strong but not everyone can yeah I mean and that's the thing and like I have like a personal connection to this kind of like my um aunt was married to a man they're like still best like really good friends to this day and he his family's from Mexico and they got pulled over once together and like the officer was just like so horrible to him and just like I didn't I could be wrong but I think that my aunt my aunt's attorney made it sound like he wasn't really respecting his rights slash didn't really like tell him his rights. And he wasn't even being arrested for anything. It was like, I think their back like taillight was out or something, or they were going like five over the speed limit or something was like very minor. And my aunt was just like the way he was treated. Like, I just can't imagine, like it was something so minor and he wasn't treated like an American. Like he was, you know, treated like a criminal when he hadn't done anything wrong. So I think it's just really scary that, now that's like allowed to happen yeah, by law even more. That's crazy. Um, yeah, that's yeah. That experience is more common than you think. Oh yeah. Um, 
and our last case I think we're going to talk about right is the is Egbert I, I'm going to let you pronounce this because I'm really nervous I'm pretty sure it's just Egbert v. Bull Bull okay Bull? I wasn't sure Bull? I'm not sure Bull. Bull. that's just a guess but yeah. do you I feel like you have a really good like understanding of this do you want to explain yeah it? yeah I actually um, I read most of both the majority and dissent opinion. So it, it it was released a while ago, I think back in May. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, basically the ruling was that um, this person in this case didn't have... So okay, let me explain the case. So the, this guy runs a... Um, I think it was like a bed and breakfast or something, some restaurant um, like near the Canadian border. And... Um, there was a, a guy, a Turkish national who I believe was in the country um, illegally. And um, Egbert, who was an agent of Border Patrol, I believe, was trying to like find this guy and arrest him. And so uh, he basically walks up to uh, Bull's property. Bull's the guy that owns the restaurant and says, hey, like, let me in. I need to look for this guy. And he says, you got a warrant? And then he slams him to the ground and like walks in, um, which is uh, – like pretty obviously like a violation of the guy's fourth amendment rights um to just have like a federal agent like physically assault you and like walk onto your property without a warrant uh and this so the supreme court basically said um the bull does not have a right to sue um the agent for a violation of his rights under um because previously like we talked about earlier we we're talking about section 1983 which gives you the authority to sue um state officers for violating your rights um the ability to sue federal officers comes from a case called Bivens v. Uh, six Unknown Agents, which has been uh, pretty longstanding. And it basically it allows you to sue federal agents that violate your rights. And so the Supreme Court basically ruled that this, under this case, which has effectively the same facts as Bivens, um, that he can't sue. So while it doesn't technically overrule Bivens, it effectively makes it so that you can't sue any federal agent that violates your rights. Um, a lot of people were saying like this was specifically to do with border patrol, but it's actually it's it's larger than that. It applies to to all federal agents, even though the the case was specifically with the border patrol agent. So, yeah, kind of ridiculous. So basically, like, because we're a hundred miles from the border, technically, aren't we? Like from in Portland, I'm not sure. I think so. But somebody was saying like, oh, if you like like the coastal border or something. Like we are, I, don't I believe. Like, yeah, I believe like distance from the coast applies like counts as difference from the border. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, somebody put on this, y'all. This is why you have to be careful on social media because somebody put this map up, and I was like, oh, does that mean like we are part of that too? Um, well, border patrol. The reason that hundred mile thing is is because border patrol um, only like has authority within hundred miles of the border, um, but the case applies to all federal agents, so we are definitely a part of that. Also, Google says Portland is approximately 80 miles from the Pacific Ocean, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Question. Does this mean that ICE has an allowance for this as well, then? Yeah. Since they're yeah. a part. Oh, I don't like that. Can't that sue is... an ICE agent that violates your rights. Yeah, that is one of the worst rulings I've heard. I'm going to just say it straight up, like. This this country has such a weird obsession with like policing quote unquote illegal immigrants. And I'm like, we're all immigrants here, technically. Even if you didn't come over on a plane or a boat or whatever, like all of our ancestors were. So it's just it's interesting yeah. to me that 
we refused because the the I don't I cannot find my words today. The tactic that's usually used to get people like riled up about oh all these quote unquote illegal people in our country is like oh they're causing crime and all these things. But I think I can look it up. But I think statistically that's not really that true though. Like I think it's pretty low actually the number. I'll look it up of like quote unquote illegal immigrants who are yeah involved in crime. I think like I think unless you count like the act of illegally immigrating as a crime, it's less than the general yeah. population. And I think it actually gets yeah. higher over time, like over generations, because they start to assimilate to the the um US population, which is a higher crime rate than them. So mm-hmm. that's the um, other thing. Yeah. <laughs> Plus like I think that's really scary with the ruling that like they don't so they don't have to have a warrant then whatsoever. They can just be like, oh, we have suspicion, so we're gonna come in. Well, technically, they still have to have a warrant, but like, what are you going to do? Sue them? You can't. Yeah. That's really scary. So they can like abuse their powers slash probably coerce people into being like, oh, yeah, like you don't have to have that. Because even if they do say, oh, no, you're not coming in without a warrant, they can be like, well, too bad. What are you going to do about it? That's really scary. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, Sorry, I'm looking up the. I'm like very determined to find the statistic. Oh, this is from 2020. So I probably just cannot find it. That's great. I just am determined. Oh, it has a, okay. Undocument. Whoa, would you look at that? Okay, this is total crime rates, 2020, sorry, 2012, 2018. U.S. born citizens for violent crimes, 213. I don't know if that's percent or what that is, but it just says 213.0. Legal immigrants, 98.2. Undocumented immigrants, 38.5. So big difference. Yeah, I imagine that's like crimes per 100,000 probably. Um, yes, you are correct. Yes. That yeah. averages out to what? Like, what's for like the general population? Just what, 213 over 100,000? Oh, also, sorry. I was looking at the wrong. The property crime is 38.5. The violent crime is 96.2. But still, 96.2 is a lot lower than 213. Yeah, that's like, even like 213 out of 100,000 is like 0. 0.002. So that's like, that's not 2%. That's not, it's like 2% of 1%. It's it's a very low number, even for the general population. So it's it's absolutely not like a big deal. Yeah. And it's like, but like all of these like violent crime, property crime, drug violations, drug violations. Let's look at that one because people love to say how undocumented immigrants are bringing like drugs into our country. Sorry, I, this gets me riled. If you have not heard me talk about this before, my dad is an immigrant. He came here illegally, but to me, it doesn't matter how you come here as long as you are a good person. And it seems like the tactic, like I said, is that people like to say like, oh, all immigrants are bad. And like, especially the undocumented ones, like they're causing crime. So the drug violations, it says 337.2 for US born citizens, 235.6 for um, legal immigrants and 136 um, for undocumented. So like, that's a big difference in my opinion like a big difference but just yep. really interesting i think 
Yeah. If you really care about crime rates, okay, we should be we should be switching populations with Mexico. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else you want to add? Um, no. Uh well, I mean, there's a lot of other a lot of other cases that we could talk about that have to do with like um you know, your rights being taken away. Um the big one that I kind of wanted to briefly mention Shin v. Ramirez, where the Supreme Court basically ruled that um, you can't hold new evidentiary hearings for evidence that would like potentially prove that you're uh, ineffective assistance of counsel. So basically, like if your lawyer messed up, you can't hold a new evidentiary hearing to like try and find new evidence that could exonerate you. And in this case, it was something that could have potentially proven the guy innocent, and he wasn't allowed to to do that. So. Yeah, um, Justice, uh, was it Kagan or Sotomayor, said that the decision was uh, perverse and illogical in her dissent, so. And I have to agree. I think it's yeah. a totally ridiculous decision. I thought, at first I thought you meant um, something else, and I was like, Sonia? But that makes sense. I see. Because she's saying it's bad, right, is what she's saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. That makes she, more sense. In her dissent. That's really interesting. Is there any any other cases that you wanted to mention? Um, no, there's a lot. You can go look um, on the Supreme Court website uh, or on SCOTUS blog or um, oh yeah, this is actually a pretty good resource, although they, they're pretty slow to update. And also, surprisingly enough, Wikipedia is a pretty good resource for Supreme Court rulings. They usually have like um, pretty detailed information. But I recommend you like check some of the sources that they cite to, to get more detailed stuff. But usually there's you know, okay stuff on wikipedia about supreme court decisions yes i think like something important to do is just like always look at like one or like at least two sources just because if you're like if you're using wikipedia in particular because like like story said like wikipedia like people make it sound really bad but they do a lot of times have reliable information it's just good sometimes to like maybe look at a second um source that's more like reliable putting quotes yeah. around that and also like Wikipedia can be kind of dense sometimes because um, it's meant to be like an encyclopedia. So um, if you don't have any prior knowledge, Wikipedia can be rough because they don't really explain any of this stuff. Um, but yeah. Yes. No, I agree completely. Well, yeah. Thanks for explaining those cases. I appreciate it. And I hope that everybody listening feels like they have a better grasp on some of these cases and, and decisions and just the impacts. And again, if you want to learn more, Definitely recommend looking at SCOTUS blog. New York Times has a great um, resource on their stuff. That's like a, a bunch of the important cases, rulings, like I mentioned earlier, public opinions. So if you're interested in learning more, those are great resources. Yeah, this was meant to be a short episode, but we went on going on for pretty long. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, if you can't tell, we're missing Sam today. Sam, if you're listening, we miss you. Um, so yeah, we'll be back probably in the next two weeks with another another great episode for y'all so thank you so much for tuning in and sunset out